cul-de-sac contemplating murder. Swerving with my circus, looking for a purpose. Pseudo clean record hope got all right, fucking canteeners, welcome to episode 96. We go ahead and drop the F-bomb, get that shit out of the way. Explicit, <laughs> not made not made for kids, not safe for work. Uh, real quick shout out to uh, Jim for the throwback hat. Spy, spy, not a spy, but spyglass. Didn't even know he listens, but he listens. So episode 96, some big news yesterday. I guess first we'll, we'll throw out a, a shout out to Carlton Zeus. Thanks for letting us listen to your music. Also check out our website, www culperscanteencup.com and josh just sent me a text saying let's bullshit for a bit and i guess since he figured that i went ahead and dropped the f-bomb he could use the uh yes he listens that was the shout out that he actually listens uh since we dropped the f-bomb early on he could just go ahead and type out the whole bs word uh so we'll keep it pg-13 or nc nc-17 or nr-18 or whatever whatever it is but uh what do you got on your plate josh talk to me I got a lot on my plate, man. Um, I just figured, you know, I just figured, you know, you're going to take me out to dinner first, you know, buy me a couple of drinks before we just, you know, before we just right hop into the action. You know, I'm not, nah, man. Man. I'm not, Hey, easy. dude, I'm, I'm 47, man. You know, maybe when I was like 25 at this age, you know, that ain't happening. You just got, you know, man, like, look, here's what I want. That's real yep. mature. That's real mature. Yeah. The, uh, nice you know seat. what? So I was talking to, uh, so I was talking to one of our, our podcast is known for being mature. <laughs> yeah, hey, we had true. a professional syndication going on to you. you like, what, what was that dude's name on Revenge of the Nerds? Ogre. ogre. Till you ogred in the mic. Thanks. Ogre. Man, he was the he was he was probably one of the best characters in the uh, in that movie. Um, no, speaking of you know, talking about professional podcasts and stuff, I was talking to uh, I was talking to one of my teenagers the other day. And I brought up, we started talking about laugh tracks. You remember the cartoons that had laugh tracks, like all the old Hanna-Barbera cartoons, like Space Ghost and, and Grape Ape and stuff. And it was, as a kid, you never really thought about it. And I don't know why, but it was kind of like one of those things that, you know, where uh, Adam Carolla used to do the thing. He'd be like, just name something and I'll be, I, I'll get upset about it. And people were like, oh, a Q-tip. And he would go off. He would rant about Q-tips for like five minutes. I don't know why. But when we started talking about cartoons with laugh tracks, I legit got angry. And I was so upset because <laughs> I was like, why does a cartoon need a laugh track? It's a cartoon. Thundercats didn't have a laugh track. He-Man didn't have a laugh track. G.I. Joe didn't have a laugh track. Why did some of the cartoons have laugh tracks? And then, you know, years later, sitcoms had laugh tracks. It was so ridiculous. I don't know why I got upset about it, but I did. It was so dumb. I, you know, the cartoons you mentioned that didn't have laugh tracks, the reason they didn't have them is because they were deadly serious. G.I. Joe, Thundercats, He-Man. Those, well, those are deadly serious, Josh. There's nothing funny about those cartoons. Well, yeah, <laughs> but, of course they were serious. Hey, what's, the, uh, what's that sitcom, um, the Bazinga guy? They're all scientists uh, uh, living in the apartment together. Um, Ooh. those to MIT. Oh, you got me show? on that one. Uh, I don't know. I don't watch it. It's one of the biggest sitcoms of the past 10 years. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, yeah. I, I really Sheldon. Yeah. I, I remember the name of the spinoff was young Sheldon. Oh, okay. I, so anyway, yeah. we can't remember the name of it, but I saw a thing <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> That's awful, man. A bunch of old Ben doing this podcast. I saw a thing on YouTube where they removed the laugh track from that sitcom, and it is one of the weirdest things I've I've ever seen. 
Because the show's supposed to be funny, but they had the laugh track in it. And once they took the laugh track out, it wasn't funny at all. It was weird. It was really strange. Well, that was the thing. It was like some sitcoms were filmed in front of a live, you know, they they do the live TV show audience, and you would get the you would get the actual laughs, you know, if it was funny. And if it wasn't funny, then you wouldn't get them. And that show generally didn't last uh, very long. So, yeah, I don't know. And anyway, yeah, cartoons with laugh tracks ridiculous yeah, see, i'm disappointed in both of you because maybe you know they're trying to bring equity to the viewership what if it's uh folks that are deaf right they're watching they, closed caption they don't get the laugh track yeah but i thought it came in with the with the little uh parentheses laugh background laugh no yeah I actually it's funny you mentioned that because okay. some of them do some of us say like laugh ha 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 <laughs> and some yeah. say anything or whatever yeah we, we call bang, that we call that close ca- big bang theory yeah you're right big bang theory yeah, we call that said. closed captioning, Roger. That's what you said, didn't I? Just say, cl- see, Luke, you're right. We're going to we're going to keep our transcripts in word form. That way, we can go back and I can say, Josh, I actually said that at uh, three minutes and forty two seconds. If you've been paying attention to the show, welcome to the show, Josh. I wonder how many of our listeners are actually going to read our transcripts. Doesn't matter. It proves that we're Zero. right. It's all it proves that we're right more often than we're Not wrong. SEO. So Josh, Actually, we, might need, you, we might need to take those down because, you know, from the, from the raid on Mar-a-Lago, I mean, they might actually use that against us in seven or eight years. Just saying. Josh, did you see the blog post today? Cause I know the audience doesn't cause they don't go, they don't go to the website as they should, but did you see the. Oh yeah. Blog yeah. Post today? I did. So, I loved it. I get these ideas to make a lot of money. The problem is you have to have millions of dollars to, you know, sink into that and a lot of influence, but y'all should head over and check out the blog post. But basically it's uh, Roger. What did you think about it? So I thought it was a great post. It was very well written and uh, spot on. Well, yeah, but did you, do you think that would work? (laughs) Do you think that that stuff is actually going on right now? I did read it. Yes. So it's funny because you talk about Aspen and basically a long story short for those who haven't read it, but talking about, if you're one of the climate change, you know, we got to solve, you know, the climate change crisis of the world. It's all man-made. I, one, up front, I, especially for me, I mean, it's clearly climate change, hap- or change happens. It's been going on for millions of years. It continued to happen or whatever. The big debate, which they don't bring up, if you've noticed, they've actually started to cut this off the tail end of it. It's man-made climate change, right? Because you're not going to stop climate change. So there's a... Um, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, back and forth on well, how much of it is actually man-made. Because if you look at climate change and you say none of it's man-made or very, very little, which I think uh, Joe Rogan's had a few people on his podcast say, hey, it's, it's so, so small that no matter what man does, it doesn't change it for good or bad. But that's the whole point. Anyway, back to, back to his blog is that if you're really one of those folks that believe in man-made climate change and that we've had a great impact on it, that you create a model, and he used Aspen, you, you create a little model city or whatever, and you basically say, hey, no combustible engines, right? And, and there's a lot more to it, so I'm not going to split everything, but you basically say, hey, no combustible engines, and then guess what you want to do next? You want to open up a rental car shop that only sells electric vehicles or only rents electric vehicles. And you could do that the whole way with bicycles and everything. So basically, you create the conditions for your own business enterprise to make money, right? You are generating your own revenue stream by, by laying the, uh, the ground rules or grain, laying the laws, quote unquote, uh, for businesses to operate or for people to visit. So you look at folks that come in, they would fly into the closest airport, which 
uh, to Aspen. I guess it would be like Grand Junction or something like that. So yeah, you have to fly Den- Denver into, would be the biggest one. Denver would Denver, be the biggest one. Grand yeah. Junction, no combustible engine. So possibly you could have a uh, drop-off point somewhere where they take a, a vehicle or a shuttle from Denver or Grand Junction to this drop-off point. From there, you have your electric vehicle rental pickup place. People go there. They get their electric vehicles. They get to the hotel. Oh, by the way, with your maybe you have one or two chargers or whatever, you're going to need to rent a couple bicycles. So here's bicycles for $20 a day, skateboards, scooters, you do the whole thing. So you set the conditions for businesses to operate and thrive, and you become a millionaire, which at that point, you'd have to be a millionaire many times over anyway. But, I mean, there's no reason why you couldn't do it on a small scale, right? I mean, you picked Aspen, but you could take any rural area if you had something very unique there, even small towns out where Josh lives or this and that, where you, I mean, you can make something like that happen. I think. Yeah. If it's liberal enough for sure. And if there's enough money, that's why I picked Aspen in the little, and y'all should head over to www.culperscanteencup.com and check out that latest blog and try to poke holes in it. It's like, I, I picked Aspen because it's upper middle class, white, like way upper class. And that Aspen airport the one just the Aspen County Airport, there's private jets flying in there nonstop. So you, you pick that upper class type city where all these people are bleeding hearts anyway. And yeah, you just, you fleece them. You create artificial demand and you fleece them. Josh is looking skeptical. He, he's looking like he doesn't believe any of this could, could make money. But so you, do you think that Al Gore, uh, this is how he's made his $300 million? And that's the low end of his net worth a hundred percent. No, I absolutely believe this can make money. It's like you, you know, like you put in the blog, I mean, you're creating an artificial demand, uh, you know, and then people are turning around the same people who created the artificial demand are turning around and filling that demand, uh, you know, for folks, but you know, it, you'd have to be a multimillionaire, you know, several times over to even get in on that game. Uh, you know, you, you could do absolutely, I think Aspen's a perfect place. Aspen, Steamboat Springs, you know, that whole area, like, you know, that's a perfect place to do it. And not only that, but you are creating an artificial demand and filling that demand that feels good, right? It feels good because everybody wants to help the environment. Like who doesn't want to help the environment? Like who doesn't want to save, you know, the red cockaded woodpecker? Like who doesn't want to do that? You know, and so, yeah, no, I, I think it's a, I, I think it's a great idea. And I think it's a, the way a lot of this has been, uh, you know, been done. Cause did you see the, uh, it was, I mean, it was somewhere in Europe. They, uh, you know, they pulled some dude out of a glacier and, you know, it was, you know, it, it's not the, you know, the 10,000 year old, you know, guy, but it was, you know, it's a recent, probably the last couple of weeks, you know, they found somebody in a glacier, you know, and the, they've been there in that glacier for, you know, probably five, 800, maybe even a thousand years. They, they guesstimate and people are like, Oh wow. wow how did that happen? It was like, well, what do you mean? How did that happen? It's the same way, you know, is what happened was that glacier used to not exist. You know, it's like the glacier and not the, I believe it was in Sweden that receded enough and it exposed this settlement, you know, and they found it and the settlement was thousands of years old and people were like, oh my God, how did, how did they do that? It's like, they built, they built a settlement under the glacier, Karen, you clown. The glacier used to not be there. 
there's this thing. It's called climate change. Yes, it happens. It's natural. There used to be, you know, there 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 weren't glaciers. Then we had this thing called the ice age, and then you know the glaciers receded. That's kind of how you got the Finger Lakes in New York. It's how you got the Great Lake. Like it. This is the the Earth is continuously doing this. It's continuously in a cycle. And if you really think that giving the government more money and more control is going to change that, well, you're really you're really stupid, and I, I don't know what else to tell you. So, yeah, no, man. To answer your uh, to answer your question, I, I absolutely think that that is the way a lot of this has been done. So, both of you guys have jumped out of airplanes. Both of you guys have done some pretty dangerous stuff. Uh, in your time in the military, what would you say was more scary: jumping out of the airplane, going on patrol, or flying in an Osprey V twenty two? Osprey. Roger. I've never flown in a V-22. I was too young and dumb jumping out of airplanes to, to know what was, because I'm scared of heights. That's that's the crazy thing. I'm scared of heights. And, and not scared, but I, believe me, if I can stay down off a ladder on like the first one or two rungs, that, that's what I'll do. But uh, I think I was too young and dumb at the time. And you're 18, 19, 20 years old, ready to jump out of airplanes and shoot people in the face. You're like, ah. So I think probably patrol. Patrol just because you get out there for the first time, you're like, this is for real. And I'm not back at some FTX on Fort Bragg where, oh, you hit me with a paintball. Yep, I'm dead. Or my miles gear is going off, right? You go out there and you get hit. Like, you get hit for real. This isn't Call of Duty anymore. So probably patrol for me. But have you been on an Osprey? No. Okay, okay. So say, at least at least on patrol, right, <laughs> At least on patrol, you have a modicum of control over how you're going to react. When I was on the Osprey, I was like, dude, I, I, they used to test, te- you know, they tested those out in Amarillo, Texas, and they were just falling out of the sky all the time. And being on those Ospreys, I did not feel safe. Even though nothing ever happened, I just, I didn't feel right. But AFSOC uh, has grounded a fleet of Ospreys. That's why, that's why I asked. Uh, thoughts? <laughs> and not even, so not even remotely surprised. So um, were you, were you in, uh, were you in Erbil when that, that Osprey had to make an emergency landing and it landed yeah. on a stack of mattresses? <laughs> yes. Uh, it came in. And so they, well, they couldn't get the landing gears down. Nothing was working. I don't know if they lost hydraulics or what, but they couldn't. And it came in. It's like, okay, well, they, I mean, they have to land it. And so next thing you know, like, you know, people started saying, hey, man, you guys, you guys got to come watch this. And so we ran out, you know, to the flight line behind the, uh, behind the jock. And there's a bunch of, you know, there's a bunch of dudes carrying mattresses out of a Connex and throwing them down on the, you know, on the apron. So this Osprey can land on mattresses, you know, so everybody can get off. And I was like, so the, the very first question I asked, I was like, so I got a question. Like, why is there a, a Connex full of mattresses right next to the apron? Like, because that seems random and intentional. All at the same time, and they were in talking to uh, talking to one of the crew. It's legit. That is literally one of the SOPs for oh, you know an Osprey who loses uh, hydraulics oh, and landing stop. gears is mattresses. And so basically, oh, you gotta be. It is, me. Uh, dude. I, I <laughs> shit you not. And so I was just I was just sitting there and thinking about the fact that I had an Osprey flight like in you know probably like forty eight hours later to uh, to head out west. And I was just like, this is not like, this is not happening. 
Um, did my second favorite Osprey Osprey experience was uh, was flying back to Erbil from uh, from out west from from northern Syria, and uh, next thing you know, countermeasures are going off, and that thing turns into a roller coaster ride because uh, we took uh, we took a bunch of small arms. Uh, Didn't a so bunch of those was, crash kind of a few years ago? Was it the Ospreys or was it the Harriers where they had a bunch of them crash and they had to ground them? No, the Ospreys, like, dude. Yeah, it was like 10 years ago or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's what Luke was talking about. Yeah, it's, that's what Luke was talking about. They were like the Blackhawks when the Blackhawks first came out. And those dudes, those things were just dirt darting everywhere. Um, in fact, they just had an Osprey. They just had another Osprey go down here yeah. last couple of weeks. Yeah, um, I think it was like two weeks ago or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, man. Those... <sighs> Those things, it's like when you get on a helicopter and you start looking and you, you want to, you want to see hydraulic fluid leaking. If you don't see hydraulic fluid, get off because that means, that, that means it has done. <laughs> um, yeah, man, it's, yeah, dude, Ospreys, dude, not, not a fan. But see, I think it's the, I think it's the loss of control that puts me at ease. Like my wife hates flying, so she's got to be on meds. Sorry, babe. Well, what do I care? She don't listen. So she's got to be on meds when she flies because <laughs> she gets all, you know, antsy or whatever. And I just, dude, I knock out like you've literally probably got 180 seconds before I hit that seat. You better hope you're sitting next to me or I'm not getting up. So I knocked the hell out. <laughs> She's like, Mr. T, I knocked the hell out. It's like, well, how can you sleep? Like, look, if this plane goes down, there's nothing I can do about it. I get it crying, yelling, awesome. It's not going to matter. I mean, I, I imagine I'd probably do something like that if, we, if I, if it really happened and we were going down, but there's nothing I can do about it. Same thing with Osprey. Same thing with the with jumping on airplanes. I mean, you got to reserve. Uh, you know, I was too young and stupid to. I mean, maybe I deploy that thing. Hopefully, but after that, you're just kind of on your own, man. It just kind of is what it is. You just hope you don't bounce twice. So, so I, I think I've, that's the whole. I've actually, I've actually got a plan. Every time I fly, I'm listening. I'm usually listening to music or I'm working on my computer. I've got iTunes open, and I, I, I kid you not, if the plane starts going down, you're right. They, dude, there's nothing you can do. So why are you going to panic? You know, be, be ready for that. Exactly. You know, it's out of your control. It's nothing's going to happen. But I have on my iPhone, on my computer, anything I'm listening to with headphones, I've got Spirit in the Sky by Norman Greenbaum. And I'm going to play that thing. I'm going to play that song as, as we go in. And I'm going to go out to that song. So just so you all know, if, if the Lukester ever dies in a plane crash, he was listening to Spirit in the Sky by Norman Greenbaum. No joke. That is my plan. Dude, Ron White has one of the best, uh, you know, the best uh, acts on uh, when he's talking about plane crashes. You know, he's talking about, you know, it's like one engine goes out and, you know, somebody's sitting next to him. He's like, hey, man, how far how far can the other engine, you know, take us? Be like all the way to the scene of the crash. Because that's really lucky because that's where we're (laughs) headed. (laughs) But you're right. I mean, if you're, you know, you're sitting in the back of, you know, a 737 or whatever, and that thing noses down, you, there's nothing you can do, man. I mean, you're just, just, dude, just ride it on in. Enjoy that the is. ride. Like, yeah. like, like literally like, okay, this is like the coolest ride I'll ever go on because it's the last one. Exactly. That's how, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe jumping that maybe that is the safest I'll feel flying because when you're flying, at least I know I've got a way to get off this bird and throw a shoot. So I don't know, maybe that's, uh, but I do think it's a total loss of control. It's a total loss of control. Nothing you can do about it. I haven't thought about having, cause I do ride with my AirPods in and my, maybe I need to do that. Maybe we should do that. We'll come up with ours. Well, Luke already knows his song. So Josh, we have to come up with our song that not our song, but individually. 
our own yeah, running with the devil, <laughs> our own song, our own individual song that won't be the same. That if the plane goes down, that's uh, that's what you'll find me listening to. Yeah, that sounded kind of weird. Not not our song, right? I mean, I love that, <laughs> not, not our song. <laughs> is, it's a Taylor Swift song. I don't know which one. <laughs> It'll be like Sunny and Cher. It'll be a, oh. <laughs> Ebony and Ivory. No, Islands in the Stream. That'll be a good one. Oh, oh, yeah, man. Dolly and Kenny. That's a good one. Okay, man, so Kenny Rogers. So Roger was going to say something, and Josh was like, "No, man, let's let's BS for a bit." What were you going to say, Roger? I mean, we're twenty uh, minutes I, in; we might as well get to it. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Josh likes to just text his uh, his outline for the show notes. You want to ask him, "Hey, what do you want to talk about?" Uh, nothing. And then I get this. You get this list on the show notes over here. Or talk about this. Talk about that. He's very uh, very controlling. Just to say. They talk about a lot of abuse goes on and people don't see it. It's on the backside of things. And we're smiling. Myself and Luke are smiling on the camera here, but there's a lot of pain underneath. The beatings will continue until morale improves. Bobby Brown and Whitney Houston. Oh, man. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. I haven't thought about them in a long time. So let's go to something. We'll, we'll jump right into it. This made my day. I know it made Josh's day. I know it made Luke's day. I'll throw it right over to Josh. Uh, what happened in the Wyoming primary? Um, Wyoming just became like the number one state on my uh, my list that I want to move to. Uh, so, I mean, so everybody, you know, everybody knows what we're talking about. The the Liz Cheney, uh, you know, election of Wyoming had their uh, had their primary yesterday. And Liz Cheney lost. Not only did Liz Cheney lose, it, she lost epically. It wasn't even remotely close. We're talking thir- like 36, 30, was it like 35, 36 points? I mean, she, it, 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 it was, it was a, it was a so referendum. The on, last count that I got this morning was Harriet Hagman, 113,025, Liz Cheney. 49,316. So 66.3% yeah. to 28.9%. Yeah. It was, I mean, it just, it, it, it wasn't even remotely close. It wasn't even a race. And, you know, here's what I'll say. At the end of the day, Liz Cheney did it to herself. Um, you know, I think because when she was elected, she took like 70 plus percent of the vote when she, when she won. You know, a couple of years ago. I, so, I mean, you know, she she had some, you know, she had support in the state. It wasn't just, you know, she barely, you know, slipped by and, you know, barely won. Like she won and it was resounding. But I think her actions on the January 6th committee is what really did her in, um, you know, and I think she could have negated some of that if she would have been a voice on the January 6th committee saying, you know, just something simple like, no, we we have to have cross-examination of witnesses. You know, we have to have both sides equally represented and argued up here. You know, when when she when she stood up and she was like, No, we don't need to have cross-examination of witnesses, okay. Well, now you're the judge, jury, and executioner. Like that just that doesn't resonate with people, uh, by and large, and it definitely doesn't resonate with you know, the, the right side of the aisle. So, 
you know, she she got up there and then today, and here's the other thing, it just really turned me off, was she got up today and she compared herself to Abraham Lincoln. And she was like, well, you know, Lincoln lost a couple of races before he won the really important one. So that leads me to believe we have not seen the last of Liz Cheney. Uh, we haven't seen the last of Adam Kinzinger, you know, so there's nine out of the what 10 who voted to impeach Trump have lost their rate, you know, have lost, um, eight have, uh, have lost their races and won't be, uh, you know, won't be in office any longer. Um, but we have not seen the last of Liz Cheney. I would look for Liz Cheney to, uh, to make a run for it in 2024, or if she does it, she is going to be a very, very big player behind the scenes, um, in the super PAC world, uh, of, you know, pushing back against, uh, the, you know, the, the, the new right, um, if you want to call it that, or, you know, the, the Trump right. Um, so those are my thoughts, Luke, what you got? I, I just don't, I don't see, well, okay, let me, let me back up. You know, here on the cup, we're wrong. We're wrong sometimes. Uh, we, we make the wrong call, but I'm telling you, if we were in Vegas, brother, you'd be making money betting on what we bet on. Because we called Liz Cheney like a while back before the committee even started. And uh, we totally called that. We were talking about Harriet Hageman before anybody even knew her name. We're like, you know, it doesn't look good for Liz Cheney in Wyoming. And and for those of you who don't follow it, and most of y'all probably do, is like Wyoming is a truly red state. There aren't many Democrats there. Uh, so losing in a state like that and thinking you're going to go on to be uh, some kind of paragon of, uh, you know, Republican conservatism, all this stuff in 2024 is, uh, I think, I I don't know. I don't know what she's thinking. I I think I texted multiple times uh, to you guys last night and the night before. This person is so out of touch. She's, she's, She's extremely out of touch. Who is going to vote for Liz Cheney? I mean, you're Reagan, or not Reagan, I'm sorry. You're Romney, uh, George H.W. Bush uh, type conservatives. Do those people even exist anymore? Sorry, Darren. (laughs) Calling out Darren. He listens to every word of every podcast, so he'll text me right when he hears that. He'll be like, you MFR. But I mean, I don't even think Darren, who is a dyed-in-the-wool, old-school conservative, I, I, it's going to take me a second to read that, Josh. I don't think even Darren is fooled by Liz Cheney. Um, I could be wrong about that. Maybe he'll call me out, but I don't see who she appeals to. She's definitely not going to switch over to the Democrat ticket because, man, they'll turn they'll turn on her so fast your head will spin. So I don't know what she's thinking. Super PAC? I mean, I, I guess so. I mean, a lot of these old school conservatives, like you said, you know, Josh being a you know big player in the super PACs, a lot of these old school conservatives. I mean, maybe that Cheney name uh, carries some weight, but my God, I I don't know where she goes from here. I I, I really don't. I've I have not liked her for a long time. Um, I never even liked Dick Cheney in the even back in the middle of my flag waving, you know, Iraq all the way, hoorah, hoorah. USA, USA. I didn't like Dick Cheney even back then. I was like, this guy is like the emperor in, you know, Empire Strikes Back. He's just, he's evil. You, I, I, I he just seems like he's up to no good. I, I, I don't know. I get a feeling about people sometimes. I don't know. And, and Liz Cheney, I, she flip flopped on the, 
homosexuality thing. She basically disowned her own sister. And then as soon as she started running for office, she's like, well, I guess it's not that bad. It's like, okay, everybody is free to change their minds. I understand. But look at the context of how you changed your mind. Uh, Roger, so, uh, you know, I know you've got some thoughts about old Liz. I love dancing on her, her grave. It's just ugh, so out of touch. Beltway, how someone from Northern Virginia is representing Wyoming simply because her dad lived there or lives there and shot somebody in the face. I don't know if that was in Wyoming. So she's going <laughs> to represent Wyoming. I don't, I don't know how voters, and I think we've talked about that on an earlier podcast. It's like, man, who are you people? You carpetbaggers, you know? But I know you've got some thoughts on her, but I really, you know, I didn't know how Alaska uh, ran their stuff uh, because I was looking at uh, Murkowski versus Chewbacca down there because it's like Chewbacca. What a, it, it's not like Chewbacca, but it's like that's how it's pronounced, like Chewbacca or something like that. It's like, man, made for TV political ad. Your name is Chewbacca, man. You got to run on that. <laughs> but apparently it's a uh, what do they call it? Uh, ranked choice. Which right. I, I, I kind of like that, I, you know, because both of them are uh, are going to uh, be in the in the in the next, uh, you know, Chewbacca actually lost to Murkowski, but she's going to be in the next election because of ranked choice. She got enough votes to do that. So thoughts on Liz Cheney and uh, thoughts on ranked choice, because I know a lot of people do like that ranked choice uh, system. So I'll start with Liz Cheney. She pisses me off. I, I hate seeing her tweets, all the rhetoric, and then you've got all the people on the left. She's going to go down as a hero, and she stood up for the constitutional rights, and blah, 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 blah. Here's the bottom line. She got used. She's got, she got used, and she's too stupid to know that she's being used. Because that's, my re- that's been my reply to everybody on the left when they say, she's a hero, da-da-da-da-da. It's like, well, you wouldn't have voted for her either way. It doesn't matter. You're just saying that now. And, oh, by the way, She's not a hero because here's the thing, and we've talked about this before a little bit with the Senate, but Wyoming, I believe, has one representative in the House. The House of Representatives, that congressperson, they are there to represent their constituents, period. A little different Wyoming because of the numbers, right? Because it's smaller numbers and and yada, yada, yada. But in most states, when you have several congressional districts, a handful of representatives, Regardless, they are there to represent the will and the need of the constituent the constituents versus the Senate, who is there to represent the state, state of Arizona versus the local district, District 6, or, or wherever I live in. So the thing is this. You took an oath, and you ran an election, several elections, 2017, I think she was elected the first time, to represent the interests of your constituents. You didn't do that. Your hatred from Trump, your hatred for Trump was was so overwhelming that you said, screw it. That's just that became her became so myopic, right? That that's her goal in life. And and she's talking, my goal is to keep him far from the presidency. One, you don't even know he's running for for the, so what happens if Trump comes out and says, I'm not running for the presidency? Is Liz Cheney, is she done? Is she over? Hey, life's goals concluded. It's done. And believe me, whether he decides to run or not run or, or what happens there, it won't be because of her. But what scares me the most beyond what just her rhetoric, and this is what makes me so angry, is that apparently folks don't hold their own electors to these same principles. Like when I vote for Andy Biggs, I expect him to go represent my district. Period. Not the state of Arizona. 
Okay, because we talked about this before. That is the level where you have that's the level with Andy Biggs. And I like him. He's a good guy, so thank thank God. But that's a guy that I can go see at a coffee shop. Here are some of my concerns living in my town. I have direct influence, direct, I wouldn't say say, but I can at least express my my opinions and concerns directly to him. And he may or may take that up to uh, Capitol Hill. That's her job. And if your representative isn't doing that, they're not doing their job. And I don't care what their hatred for Trump is. It's not, and, and she's being punished. She's being punished for not doing her job. And she's being punished by being voted out. That's how you know you're not doing your job. I love it. I love the process. I love what's happening there. Because the more and more she fights and pushes, what she's essentially saying is, Wyoming ends or whatever you call them. You don't know what's good for you. I know what's good for you. I know what's good for you. I know what you really want. I know you think you know what you want, but this is what you really need. That's what she's saying. And that's not the, that's not the position. She's not in the Senate. That's not the position of the House of Representatives. And that's not her, her position. So they sit up there and they, they talk about all this stuff. So I'm like, so is that what you really want? Do you really want a country where your representatives don't represent the will of the people? Is that what you want? Do you want a state? Do you want a district where your representatives don't represent the will of the, of the constituents that live in that district? What it comes down to is they happen to agree. Well, here's the thing. They don't even agree with her politics. They just hate Trump as well. There's a common goal. There's a common enemy. So the fact that she hates Trump, I hate Trump. We hate Trump. Luke, you look like you're chomping at the bit. What? Or you can just keep typing. That's fine, too. Anyway, that's what makes me angry. She failed to do her job. And from the left out there, and even some of the right, the rhinos or, or what have you, they apparently want representatives don't, that don't represent the will of the people. And it goes back to where we kind of poke and jab a little bit and we talk about the Constitution, but there aren't enough people out there that understand how our government works. And that's a problem. And part of that is your own due diligence, right? You have to go out there and learn how government works. At what level do I need to escalate this? Who do I need to bring this to? How do we resolve this? But part of it is also our school system and educational system. Back in the old days when we had, you know, civics class, where they actually taught some of that stuff. Or the cartoons, we all joke, you know, how a bill becomes a law, and you get the little bill on the steps of, of, of Congress and this and that. All that stuff's gone. And now you see it. You see it. It takes no more than five minutes. Once the race had been called, once the race was called in Wyoming, it wasn't five minutes you get on Twitter and I can see hundreds upon hundreds and thousands, clearly a large portion of 81 million congratulating uh, Liz Cheney on, on standing up for the you know, Constitution of the United States and for freedom and what's right. That's not her job. I hate to tell you that. I know it's part of the oath, but her job is to represent the constituents of, of the state that she lives in. So the other piece of that, going back to what I started off with, she's being used. I mean, she clearly has no perspective. She doesn't live in reality. She's hated by the Republican Party. Believe me, the Republican Party, does. even the rhinos do not like Liz Cheney. Okay, the folks, the, the Republicans, the rhinos that like Liz Cheney, I don't even know Josh who can come up with something creative. They're farther, they're farther away from the right than rhinos are. You have like conservatives, you have rhinos, and then you have whatever that other entity or that other being is. That's what they are, the Kinzingers. They, they, fall in that, uh, they fall in that other category or whatever. She thinks that what? She, I guess her, the only thing she could do is go on The View. Maybe she'll be a guest host on The View. Maybe she'll, uh, she can be an anchor on CNN. 
because nobody's going to take you back on the right. There's no way. There's no true conservative. There's no even rhino, even rhinos. I mean, minus rhinos that are in office right now, and both of you can either nod and shake your head. I don't know any of them that have come to her defense that are actually in office and staying in office. I think everybody's kind of hands off, right? Do you do you think they see her as a threat? Like if you're if you're Romney, and oh, and no, you're no. one of those old school. Well, if you're one of those old school rhinos, you know, old school. You know, I'm talking McCain, all that stuff. I think they would see someone like a Liz Cheney as an up and comer threat to their power. A hundred percent. So, I mean, maybe. I don't see her a threat at all, and I don't think they see her as a threat. She doesn't have enough clout. She she was a representative for five years. She has no clout. I don't know what her fundraising is like, but I'm assuming that her fundraising in Wyoming is only what it was because she was an elected representative and Dick Cheney's daughter. Dude, she's uh, so she's got the clout because she has the Cheney name. That alone gives her the clout. So you think about it, you know. Right now, for the first time, you know, and, and once, you know, Liz Cheney, you know, cleans out her office and, you know, turns the lights off for the last day, for the first time in 70 plus years, there will be no Cheney, Bush, Clinton, or McCain on Capitol Hill. But Liz Cheney has the Cheney name. She is not done. She is not What's done. What's her next move then? Where's her next place? She, the, the, the Cheney name didn't help her get over 30,000 votes in the election. Or I'm sorry, forty nine thousand votes. Because the next time, because the next time she's not worried about Wyoming. These people, these people are so out of touch. Okay, I'm talking about the the Romneys and you know uh, and their ilk. And I'll I'll loop Crenshaw on there, even though he's a he's he's just a a representative. Is that they are so blind that they think there's a chance we could actually win this. There's a chance that we can put Romney up there and he'll actually win president. They think that, and that's Liz Cheney. That's that's the that's the cart she's saddling her horse to, is that well maybe I'll be sec def or whatever, just like my daddy. That I, I, I that, right that is what's going on, on through her. Don't you, under, can put this, you can put this on your transcript search right here, Luke. On on seventeen August at thirty eight minutes or whatever. Liz Cheney, she runs for president, which she said she's contemplating. Will get less votes than Kamala Harris did. I agree, totally agree. But she doesn't think that. Because you've got people in the swamp in Northern Virginia, poopy, taking a big giant poopy in her ear every day, kissing that ass because they know where daddy's money is. I, I'm telling you, they, she thinks that she can win. She I does. You. I'm just I don't think, Josh. I don't think I, I don't think I don't think she can win the presidency for sure. But to say that she's not going to, you know, have to be dealt with at some point, you know, like she is that to, to, doesn't to, to hit say, double digits. No, dude, to say that she is not going to be a threat, an issue, I think you're underestimating the establishment because she is 100% an establishment icon. I mean, she is an establishment person. Even, you know, you say, you know, well, she's just a representative. She's got that Cheney name and she has built up enough political capital to use in D.C. to be a threat. Okay, even so if she, even if she's out there not on the campaign trail herself, you know, for herself, but if she's on the campaign trail for somebody, I'm telling you, she's got that Cheney name, and there's a lot of people that owe the Cheneys for yeah. the, you know, for their success and where they got. So, so don't so, underestimate her at all. Let me shoot this right back at y'all. Okay, 
because we're kind of going down a rabbit hole here. So obviously, if if Trump got the nomination, he's not going to appoint Cheney to nothing. I think that I would hope that, you know, if DeSantis gets the nomination, he's not going to appoint Cheney to anything. But is there any old school 1994 Republican who could, you know, I'm not saying who could get the nomination, but which one would appoint, you know, Liz Cheney into their cabinet? You know, is there one? I I can't. Romney. Romney. Okay. Collins. The I mean, any crew. of those would the same crew, same yeah. crew, yeah, Typical yeah, crew. the same, the, the same crew that when you know they say three Republicans voted, you know, against the Republicans on something, you automatically know who they are. What about Rubio and Cruz? Um, I could see, you know what, honestly, I could see Ted Cruz doing some some stupid shit like that. I, I, I honestly could. Marco Rubio, Not I don't, Rubio. I, I don't know. I'll see Rubio, um, but I well, could totally see Ted Cruz. Apparently, Susan Collins might be in trouble. Up, up there. She's Maine, right? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently she might be in trouble. I was looking yeah. at one of the, I think it was Rasmussen or Ipsos or something like that. It looks like that she might be in trouble. This, this next one. Yeah. Yeah. Maine's one of those, man, Maine's one, it's another one of those weird States. Um, it's just, yeah, Maine's a little bizarre, but I, I saw some of the same, uh, the same chatter that, but you think about her last election, she was there she was on shaky footing even in her last one um so this one you know maine probably hasn't got more conservative uh you know in the in the meantime because you have some of those folks from you know vermont and new hampshire you know kind of settling in portland and bar harbor those are not uh those are not conservative strongholds and uh you know in the great north there for sure uh i haven't been to portland a few times man who it is uh it is it is the Manitou Springs of, uh, <laughs> of of Maine. Uh, for those familiar with the state of Colorado, <laughs> is it is it the Austin of Maine? Yes, yeah, it, <laughs> it, it, it truly is, man. There's a lot of uh, man, yeah, dude. There's a lot of Canada, ja- you know, Canada down jackets, and uh, everybody smells like patchouli. Uh, so, wearing that Canadian it, tuxedo. That's right. So to go back to one of your questions, Luke, on the um you know how alaska is doing it now and you know they're going with the uh what'd you call it um uh, they rank ranked rank, choice yeah rank choice i i don't know I, I i can't say i don't know enough about it to say i dislike it or i like it um so well you know what you weren't talking you you went down on your hate Liz Cheney and you just kept talking about Liz Cheney so I didn't know if you were actually going to address the first part of, that was not. the first part of his question well I mean you took 20 minutes to answer the first part of his question you got to take another 30 to answer the second part uh, hey Roger sorry, how do you feel about Alaska moving to rank choice for this election cycle well one thank you Josh for allowing me to speak and, and having a few minutes uh, of time to address this topic I love it. I'm like Luke. I love ranked choice. Basically what they do, I think it's the top four. Top four vote getters. Doesn't matter what the party is. Boom. You make it to the next round. You go to the to the general election and voters get to choose. One interesting thing before I throw it over to Josh, because now I'm done. The when you look at the votes for Murkowski and Alaska. So if you look at the top four, Murkowski led the led the others all the others, uh, 68,603, 44% of the vote. Shabaka, 61,972, 39.87% of the vote. 
And when you look at the the last two that comes up, there's a 9600 who's a Democrat. There is a 2%, which is 3500, which is a Republican. So this thing's going to be close. You look at the Democrat. I don't know, Josh, if you think the Democrat probably go with Murkowski, right? They would probably throw their votes towards Murkowski, I would think, versus Shabaka. But then when you also look at the U.S. House of Representatives, Sarah Palin, 48,000 votes. Uh, Patola, Democrat, 54,000 votes. Begich, Nick Begich, Republican, 41,000 votes. And there's another one. There's a pretty steep fall off from there. It goes down to Sweeney, Republican, 5,700 votes. What I was surprised with that is Patola, and I don't know anything about her, Mary Patola, 54,000 votes, man. That was 35% of the vote. That was the highest vote getter uh, for the for the House of Representatives for Alaska. So throw it over to you. Yeah, so I, the Democrats in Alaska, um, they, they're, they're going to definitely, you know, if it comes down to it, they're definitely going to pick Murkowski over Shabaka. Um, because Murkowski, you know, like we said before, she is a, she is a rhino and Shabaka is definitely, I don't know that Trump's endorsed her. Um, but you know, reading some of her campaign stuff and everything they Trump has. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, the the Democrats will go to Murkowski, uh, long before they'll go to Shabaka. Alaska is another one of those weird States too. You have, you know, a lot of folks in Alaska, a lot of people move to Alaska just because they like the autonomy. You know, they just, they, they want to be left alone. They're, uh, you know, they're, they're self-sustaining, um, you know, and they're just, they're, they're really salt of the earth people, uh, for the most part. But you also have, you know, a lot of folks up there, especially in Anchorage and Fairbanks, uh, you know, you have a, you have a lot of folks who depend on the government, uh, you know, for their, for their livelihood. And they like that. Uh, they like, you know, all the social programs and, you know, stuff. So the, you, you do have a, a decent, uh, Democrat, you know, base up there, but yeah, they they go with Murkowski, uh, hands down. And I hope Murkowski loses for two reasons. One, because she's not, a tr- she's not a conservative. Uh, and two, a Murkowski has held that Senate seat since 1981 before she was elected in 2002, her dad held that Senate seat. So there's been a Murkowski sitting in that Senate seat since 1981. I'm I'm done with career politicians. Like I'm done with them. Get these, get these legacy, you know, these dynasty families out of here. They, they have, they have done nothing. Uh, you know, we, we've gone from, you know, defeating the Soviets, tearing down the wall, putting people on the moon to, you know, people can't even tell us what a woman is. And, and a lot of the problems have come, have come from these, these career politicians. Uh, so I'm, I hope she loses. I hope she loses and I hope she loses big. Uh, and I love to see Shabaka, you know, take that, uh, take that seat. Well, I think that we're done. I mean, I, I think we are coming to a close, uh, with respect to SEPTA and octogenarians, uh, running the government. Uh, on both sides of the aisle. I think that uh, people are circling the wagons with this stupid dark Brandon meme. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but they're trying to make Joe Biden out to be, oh, well, he's actually acting stupid, but he's actually the man. It's just so dumb. It's like you people truly, truly have lost touch with reality. 
because the only reason they're behind him is because he's on their side, supposedly. But he's not, is what the, what the funny part is, is Joe Biden is not on anyone's side. He's always gone uh, uh, with he's always gone with whichever political wind was blowing at the, at the particular time. You just, you look at his career, he's always been that way. But uh, back to my point, I think that we're going to start getting young blood in office on both sides. It's happening a little bit already, you know, AOC. Uh, I don't know how old Liz Cheney is. She's got to be in her fifties, I guess, but that's, that's, you know, 20 years younger than 73, right? Uh, you know, you got Ron DeSantis who's younger than me, uh, I think he might be younger than everyone on this podcast, but on both sides, I think we're getting really tired of um, of these people who are, you know, almost. I mean, Joe Biden's damn near the greatest generation. I mean, it's it's getting crazy out there. So, Roger, I think you know where I'm going with this. When I ask you this, I'm going to switch gears on you a little bit. So, I know that you've dabbled in counterintelligence a little bit in your career. So let's say that uh, you are uh, counterintelligence. <laughs> <laughs> Those of you watching YouTube is perfect. Perfect. He's putting on a CI hat. He's putting on a spy hat. So let's say that you are a, a diligent counterintelligence special agent and uh, something comes across your desk. Somebody reports something. They call 1-800-CALL-SPY and uh, something. <laughs> that's a real thing, folks. 1-800-CALL-SPY, at least it used to be. Uh, so you get a tipper on call spy and they say something to the effect of, Hey, there's an ethnic Russian in my unit. Uh, he's got a secret clearance and he's been upset at some recent policies that have come down from DOD. Uh, I, I, I know that he speaks Russian. He's often on the phone, uh, with his family back in Russia. I'm very suspicious of this person. And so you take that and you see maybe two indicators, maybe, maybe two indicators of espionage. But you look at that and you're like, yeah, it's not really meeting the threshold. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to go out and I'm going to recruit somebody to go talk to this person. And what I'm going to do with this person that I recruit to go talk to this person is convince him. I'm going to see just how willing to spy this person really is. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take my recruit and I'm going to plant ideas in his head. Hey, you know, you really, you don't like this policy, do you? You hate it. Don't you think that you should do something about that? It's not fair that the government is doing that to you. You need to get back at the government. And what you do with the person you recruited, who is now your asset, running against the person with two, the Russian, the ethnic Russian with two indicators, is you're convincing this person to spy on the United States of America. Is that something you would do as a uh, counterintelligence special agent? Or do you see something wrong with that, like convincing someone uh, to spy when they when they, when they, when they weren't going to do it. I mean, they had a couple indicators. They were upset. They're ethnic Russian. They call back to their family in Russia every once in a while. But should you convince that person to spy? I guess it would depend on what point in my career I was. And if I thought that it was going to help me get promoted uh, and I had no other cases under my belt. I, oh I, I, my God. <laughs> if I had a certain narrative that I wanted to push, right. Uh, I might, uh, I might go down that road, 
what Luke is talking about. And it's not even, I think it's even worse than that because I think you're being kind with the indicators because. Yeah, I am. You're right. And and Luke is talking about the, the Whitmer case, the kidnapping case. Tucker Carlson did a pretty good rundown yesterday. And he, I, I, I was telling the, the fellows earlier, I was like, I wish we could just print out the transcript and read it. Those that, that have not seen it or, or what have you, maybe we'll post the transcript up on our page because it, it was a really, really good rundown. Now, I didn't go fact check everything. I did go do some burgling. And there are a couple of things that were a little bit off here and there uh, from local reporting versus what he put on there. But it, it was pretty close. Long story short, it's exactly what Luke just said. The FBI... They even created some of the Facebook groups, right? They created some of the Facebook groups. They had a guy, I think that was, it was Adam Fox, I think, who was the former USPS truck driver who made, uh, the mail truck driver who made like $60,000 a year or what have you. But you had a lot of folks there, and there were several groups. I think there was some 2A for Michigan and and Freedom Fighters, 3%ers or, or whatever it was. But you had a lot of people that were like, hey, we just want, we want, our Republic back. And again, from what I heard on Tucker Carlson and what I was able to read uh, and some of the other local reporting, because this is, this is going to trial right now and it's been going to trial for a while. There was no intended violence there. There was no, we're going to go kidnap her. We're going to go blow the place up. We're going those were all ideas that the FBI put in their heads and it's, it's totally entrapment. And I'll tell you this. So there were, when you look at those that were being charged, so you had Adam Fox, conspiracy to kidnap, conspiracy to use weapons of mass destruction. Barry Croft, also uh, in addition to conspiracy to kidnap and the conspiracy to use weapon of mass destruction, he had possession of unregistered destructive device. Maybe Luke can fill us in on, on what that is. Then you had Daniel Harris, who in addition to those charges, had possession of rifle with barrel less than 16 inches. And then in addition to all that, you had Brandon uh, Casarita, who had just the kidnapping. Two others were found guilty, Ty Garbin and Caleb Franks, which they got to feel dumb now, right? They got to feel bad because they pled guilty because they thought they were going to be convicted and get a reduced sentence, which I think they're still waiting on. Well, Adam Fox and Barry Croft had a mistrial the first time. The other two guys, Daniel Harris and Brandon Casarita, they were found not guilty. They were found not guilty. The jury said, no, this is entrapment because it's exactly what Luke was. It was a bunch of concerned citizens. And it actually made me think about our podcast and us three. I mean, thank God we have a podcast. Maybe it's, it's out there in the public. So everybody sees it, but it's three people, four people, five people that are sitting there that are like, Hey, you know, kind of concerned, man, the direction our country is going, what can we do? And for us, and Luke brought this up with last episode, we, we encourage people to get involved legally vote, Right. If you want to go out there and legally protest, legally protest, get out there and vote, uh, express your opinions as a constituent, that type of stuff, campaign for somebody, what have you. And these folks here, and, and by all, everything I've read, one of the guys, I think maybe it was Barry Croft was like living in the basement of some laundromat. I mean, this is a poor dude, right? And all of a sudden they were like giving him all the FBI, giving him all this money. Hey, you need to go buy some weapons and ammo. Giving him credit cards. That's what the, that's what the asset was doing was giving him credit cards provided by the FBI with instructions to buy weapons with them. What yeah. the hell, dude? And he was like, no. He said no. Like, I think they had like five different occasions. They're like, you need to go buy weapons and ammo and go target shoot. He's like, no, nah, not really my thing. 
no, 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 no. You really need to go buy. It's like, dude, it, it's not really my thing, right? So you've got these two people, of course, Ty and Caleb, or, or they took the plea deal. So they get up there and like, oh, yeah, these people. And they were so far removed down that you just never know what they actually received and as far as what their perception was. Uh, but as far as what it looks like with Adam Fox, Barry Croft, and definitely Daniel and Brandon, they didn't have anything to do with it. And now they're to this point where you had a mistrial in the first two. It, it, we're going to post this. We, we definitely need to post the transcripts up there. I, I want to ask Josh, because to me, it's it, this is the bigger problem with all this. Like, how do you solve this? The FBI is at a low point, and I'm, this is my own my own view as far as like trust and respect throughout the community, throughout the country, they're at the, the lowest place that I can remember since I've been alive. I know there were times before that and obviously some other issues or what have you, but even when you talk, listen to Tucker Carlson and some of his rhetoric, like, you know, I don't always buy into everything that Tucker says, but I'm like, this kind of makes sense. And right now, I mean, the FBI is looking like the enemy of the people. And you can tie this into to, to Mar-a-Lago. You could type it into, to, tie it into James Comey, especially when you had, Merrick Garland come up and defend the FBI. These, I'm like, are you are you serious? Like the leaker for the FBI was James Comey, and he admitted it. So, the the big question, Josh, is how does it get fixed? Hey, there there has to be significant reform. I'm not talking about oh we're gonna have you know we're gonna have an oversight panel you know stand or whatever right we're gonna you know empower the oversight panel. We're going to have some new oversight. There has to be a culling of the herd. Um, there has to be some forced retirements. There has to be people who go to jail. I'm talking about people in the FBI. This, you know, some of the senior leadership has to go to jail. Yeah, no, you're a hundred percent church committee. 100%. There needs to be a, 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 a church committee level, you know, look at this and then significant reform. Um, and, and we've kind of talked about it. The first thing I would do, I would strip the FBI of his intelligence authorities. The, the, the worst thing that we ever did was give the FBI, a law enforcement agency, intelligence authorities. The absolute dumbest thing that we ever did. But we did it back in a time when, guess what? You know, Americans are scared. And when we're scared, we make emotional decisions. And when people make emotional decisions, 10 times out of 10, they are the wrong decision. 100%. Um, you, the other interesting part of the Whitmer case was the FBI agent who's running this, right? The guy behind the scenes, guy named Jason Chambers. He has his, you know, Tucker talked about, he has a side company, right? His, his security company, this side hustle. And all throughout 2020, this company's Twitter profile is tweeting information that's not publicly available. So what does that do? That shows people, hey, dude, this security company's got folks on the inside. They're connected. They're, you know, they know what they're doing. So I should go hire them, right? And this guy is driving. He's driving everything where he wants it to go. And he's pocketing money. And he's making cash off of this on the side. Yeah, again, that's a great point. He went back. He created artificial demand, um, you know. And, and benefited from it, just like we talked about at the beginning with the, you know, and Luke did it in his blog post yesterday with the environmental piece. It's the FBI and people act like, yeah, I saw some people, and even, you know, 
even some conservative folks were like, yeah, man, the FBI has really changed. It, it, you know, it really is. No, it hasn't. The FBI has not changed. The FBI targeted the Black Panthers. The FBI targeted Martin Luther King Jr. The FBI has targeted and done targeted Americans and done dirty shit every for, for decades now. This is not new. It is a systemic problem. It is baked into that organization. And the only way you can get rid of it is through significant reform. I am talking about significant emotional events to where you burn that agency to the ground. You come out, you strip it of all its authorities. You basically fire, you know, anybody above GS 12 and you start over. That, that is the only way to reform this. And that is the only way to put people on notice that this kind of nonsense will not be tolerated. It will not be. Um, you have some good folks in the, in, in the FBI. You really do. There are a lot of good folks out there in the trenches, you know, working every day and they are doing great things for the country. And there are folks out there in the FBI that will do the right thing. But the senior leadership, is it, it it is rotten it is rotten to the core and i hope i hope whoever the republican nominee is in 2024 runs and one of you know runs on one of their things is that they will bring significant reform to not only the fbi but to all of these agencies now i'm talking to, i'm talking to atf you know the the department of health and human services you know, the CIA, everything, because it is just, it has gotten to the point where people have gotten too used to violating the constitution and they're super comfortable with it. And nobody's been held, nobody's been held to count. Nobody has been held accountable at all. And if you have no accountability, then people are absolutely 100% going to lose trust in the system. And then you're going to start, you know, you're going to get those those instances, you're going to, you know, you're going to have your Ruby Ridges, you're going to have more Wacos, you know, you're going to have, you know, more of what you had out West, you know, with the Bundys. Um, I believe that was, you know, Eastern Oregon. Uh, you know, people have zero faith right now in a lot of the government institutions. And it's not because people are extremists. It's not because, you know, people hate the country. It's because these institutions have done it to themselves and they continue to do it to themselves every single day. And just you know, to to drive that point home, and then I'll I'll pass it over to Luke. Guess guess where the FBI special agent in charge of the Whitmer investigation? Guess where that guy wound up? In charge of the January sixth investigation. The, I mean, this is a dude. This is this is TV shows crap. I, I just I, and it, I mean, it, it's amazing. It's truly amazing. And they're doing it in the open. They're not, that's the, they're not scared. They're not worried about it. They do it in the open because they know they're not going to be held accountable. <laughs> and it's just, it, it, it is absolutely insane. And it's maddening, maddening beyond belief. Let me tell you something. Johnny Utah and Angelo Pappas would be rolling over in their graves right now because Johnny Utah and Angelo Pappas are not those kind of FBI agents. Josh, I agree with you 100%. That there are uh, a lot, and I'd say I'd say the majority, uh, I'd say the vast majority of FBI people are true believers, uh, with carrying a mortgage, with a couple kids in school, and uh, I'm so I'm sorry, Roger. You're going to have to do that. I, I I can't clean up your mess. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> but back, back to the thing. Uh, sorry, Roger's giving me that look. It's that look. YouTube, check it out. That's the look Roger gives. If looks could kill, brother. But yeah, the majority of, of FBI agents are, are good people, true believers, good Americans who have sworn an oath. They really believe it. But they're also carrying a mortgage. They've got three kids in school. Uh, you know, wife is maybe working, maybe not. They don't. They don't know what to do. So, if we have any FBI guys listening to this, you know, be the solution from the inside. Be the solution. Uh, don't be part of the Peter Strzok problem, which they trotted him out on CNN and MSNBC uh, to uh, tell everybody you should you should really trust the FBI. You should really trust the FBI. I cheated on my wife. I told her I was, you know, I cheated on my wife. I told my mistress to impress her that uh, I was going to um, uh, overthrow the, you know, Trump. Where, you know, we're going to make sure it doesn't happen. It, it, it's pathetic, uh, you know. And our, our boy Jason, uh, the three of us know Jason. I, I said the other day that that guy, this guy is a current FBI guy. He wants to be Peter Strzok when he grows up. I know this guy fairly well, and he's an absolute piece of garbage. And that's that's the kind of FBI agent I don't want. Period. That's that's just that's all I say about that. And I guarantee you, there's more than one Jasons in the FBI. So there you go. Libel laws. So yeah, Josh, you know, overhauling uh, the law enforcement uh, branch of the federal government, uh, all under the DOJ. 100% behind you on that. And I, I believe that any politician that doesn't do that is making a big mistake. I think that if you said, you know what, we've got a problem with the FBI, uh, you can approach it from both sides. You can say, we've got a problem with the FBI. Uh, Democrats, you got screwed over when James Comey came out and said what he said uh, two days before the election or whenever, or whatever it was. Uh, two or three days, maybe it was a week before Republicans, you've gotten screwed over this, you know, because of, you know, Trump and this and that and Russian collusion and, and Peter struck and the, and the, 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 the crazy, uh, I can't remember the name of the file. What was the name of the file, Josh? The, uh, you talk about the steel dossier. Yeah. The steel dossier, you know, you can approach it from both angles and say, Hey, look, this, this apparatus that is being operated by the Department of Justice is screwing both parties. So we're going to fix it. And by the way, we're also going to put an immediate stop to the 87,000 new IRS agents or IRS personnel. You know, anybody who doesn't run on that is a moron. It is an absolute moron. You know, we've gotten a lot of flack on uh, uh, Facebook and, uh, and, and Twitter, uh, over, over all this stuff. And it's amazing how many people love the IRS all of a sudden, Roger. I mean, I just couldn't believe it. And I want to thank you for putting that post out there because I had no idea there were this many people who love the IRS. It's just, it's insane. I, I don't get it. So reform, man, absolutely all the way across. And I really do think, man, I think it's DeSantis's time. I really do. Christina Pushaw, who we've, I don't even know how to pronounce her last name, P-U-S-H-A-W, I, I say Pushaw. I mean, she uh, got out of the of the office of the governor, communications, and she went to work for his uh, campaign. So that tells me that he is thinking about running. 
And I really think that this guy, if he steps outside the box a little bit and says, you know, it tries to appeal to both sides, not just the Republicans, but both sides. Look, what Chris Cuomo came out or was it? I think it was Chris Cuomo came out and said this this raid on Trump is wrong. Uh, I think uh, it was a Bill Barr came out and said, yeah, this isn't right. It's like, man, people sense something's going on here. So let's I'm not asking for a centrist candidate. I'm not asking for a populist candidate. I'm asking for a candidate who's going to try to find some kind of middle ground and appeal to those people on the left side of the aisle that aren't quite sure what's going on right now. So, yeah, I kind of, I don't know, went on a little diatribe right there. So, Roger, you said, uh, can I give a cleaner background of the trial? I, I don't, I, I really don't know what you're talking about. The trial, oh, oh, the Whitmer trial. No, I can't give a cleaner. I think you you summed it up actually pretty good. Um, but thoughts on, I mean, I don't know if we want to bring it back to Mar-a-Lago. I think it's it's kind of crazy how the gesticulations, I love that word, gesticulation, the gesticulations that are going on uh, in the media, the mainstream media, MSNBC, CNN, uh, The View, all this stuff, on these people are just jumping at everything. Well, he had nuclear codes. Well, he wasn't supposed to have them. But at first it was the National Archives. And it's like, man, they are just jumping on everything. And it's like, so we got the, uh, we, we haven't had the affidavit. So, so what would you like to see? What do you think we as American people are owed to see from the Department of Justice to justify this um, search of a former president of the United States home? It's tough because if there truly is something serious or if there's a there there, you're owed an explanation, but at the same time, if there is a there there, and, and he's so high profile, I don't, I don't know you're, you're able to keep that under wraps. You owe some explanation. They talk about the affidavit. I don't know how deep you can go into that. And as far as the DOJ has already gone, said, no, we don't release any of that stuff. Because here's the reality of it. He didn't have any nuclear codes. You've got all these people talk about, and I don't know, I'm just common sense, right? Hey, he had nuclear codes that apparently weren't changed when Joe Biden, and, and, and I guess that's all you need, right? It's just the codes. You don't need anything else. You just need the codes to, to launch nukes. Uh, and I guess we didn't change those in the last 18 months. Uh, so the <laughs> FBI waited 18 months to come raid because he had nuclear. So clearly it wasn't, that wasn't it. Uh, the door was double locked or however it was locked at the request of the archives and GSA. They're the ones who told him, hey, yeah, you kind of need to secure this stuff. So they provided some type of approval. And all of a sudden, everybody's security experts, uh, I'd say, hey, go read Executive Order 12356. Talks about classification, declassification, original classification authority. As the president, when he's in office, can pretty much declassify anything. And, and I listen to Fox News, and they talk about, well, yeah, there was a process and this and that. No, if he's the president, Currently serving, he is the process. There is nothing saying he's got to mark anything. Now, should he? Absolutely. Should probably say, hey, here's 15, 20 documents I'm submitting. We're going to declassify these things, whatever, whatever the case may be. But the fact is, he has that authority. All of a sudden, we have all these experts out there. And there's, believe me, let me put my, put my CI hat back on, you know. I don't know a lot about a lot that goes on in the world. Like some of these things like, yeah, you know what? We're pretty well versed in this stuff. Now I don't know. And I'm not privy to everything. The guy obviously had and what they took. And, and now you're starting to see a lot of, uh, 
you know, a lot of rhetoric that comes out. Well, he had this, he had like, what was so important that he had that they waited 18 months? What was so important that he had that the FBI had to go down there? Because now there's reporting that they went down there when he wasn't there because they expected they were just going to get in and out and nobody would know any different. So yeah, we're just going to send 30 FBI agents to go raid Mar-a-Lago. And I don't know, and, and you hear CNN talk about, well, it's it's not a raid. It's not. A, what would you call that with thirty agents, thirty FBI agents showing up at six o'clock in the morning with weapons, kicking doors down, uh, breaking the locks? What do you call that? Because if that's not a raid, then I don't know what a raid is. Okay, I mean it's so funny because the thresholds are so different between insurrections and raids, right? You can send thirty FBI agents down there hacking into uh, hacking into safes and kicking doors down, and you know that's not a raid. Uh, January sixth was an insurrection. So, so one, I think. For something that that is that high profile and obviously never been done before at, like that, like the way it was done, the Americans are, are owed an explanation. And I think immediately, because now that it's coming out, and again, this is just in the news, so I don't have any firsthand knowledge of this, but Merrick Gardner apparently had this for had this request for two weeks and sat on it for two weeks, right? Why did it take them so long? What's the there there? What's the smoking gun there? Because it takes you all the way back to the Russia, Russia, Russia. All you heard from the Democrats for how long was, oh, we've got the evidence. We've got the evidence. That's right up there with Josh saying he's got show notes and, and an outline for, for today's episode. Okay? Ain't happening. We know by 96 episodes that that's not happening. I know by the two years of Russia, Russia, Russia. Actually, you notice how they coincide? Maybe Josh has got something to do with the Russian hoax. Uh, it's not there. I don't believe it anymore. Because that's all we heard day after day. You even had, what's his name, Brennan come out. My sources tell me, right? And then he had to finally come out. Yeah, my, my sources were wrong. Well, no shit. No kidding, because everything you guys have put out has been wrong. So I think they owe us some type of explanation, something to back it up. But I don't think they have it. I think it's all political, because here's the deal. If I'm, and, and Josh, I, I'm kind of curious on your opinion on this, but it's like catching your kids, right? Like if I, dude, if I've got, and this is why, this is why Luke wants the daggum transcripts for, for our shows so he can go back and, and gurgle all that crap and search. But if I know I'm in the right and I have the evidence to back it up, dude, that's a smoking gun, which is what I think you need to go into a former president's home. I'm coming out like, hey, We've got the goods. This is what he think we what he did. We have a, we have the evidence to support this, and we're going to trial this. There's been nothing even filed yet. There's no criminal charges now. KJP put out, and I think Josh was the one who brought up the other day that they brought out you know criminal investigation. And then KJP, if you look at it, it was the Monday because the raid was like on a Friday or Saturday or whatever it was. And then Monday, I, I didn't put two and two together until Josh said it. She came out and said, oh, you know, we don't talk about matters, you know, criminal investigation, this and that. It's like, oh, so it's a criminal investigation now, huh? Wonder what the charge is. Kind of curious about that. But going back to what Josh was saying and what Luke was saying with the, the FBI, it not only needs to undergo serious and massive reform, but there also needs to be transparency. You guys remember Article 15s? Article 15s, right? So if you screw up in the Army, and I know Luke had a couple of them, and, and Josh probably had more than a couple, uh, but you get, you, basically you get in trouble. More than a counseling statement, more than a slap on the wrist. Like, it, it's, the, it's the high school, this is going to go on your permanent record. Okay, that, that's what the Article 15 was. 
And the Article 15, part of that was you had to post it publicly. And the reason for that was, one, you crush all the rumors, but you don't want it being out, you know, you don't want it getting out that people are doing things illegally or having disciplinary issues, this and that, that are going unpunished or unaddressed. And I think with the FBI, that's kind of what you need. And not just the FBI, it's all the, that's what pisses me off about, about everything. It's the transparency. There should be transparency there. I should be able to see reforms happening. Hey, this guy got punished for doing this. That stuff needs to be made public. And I don't care if you're left side, right side of the aisle, because Luke said it, they've screwed the, the, the left just as much as they have the right. But there is no transparency in my, in my eyes. And it's so different than what we were brought up and what we dealt with in the military. There, there was so much oversight over us. And heaven forbid you did something wrong. There's supposed to be oversight with the FBI. I don't know where it is. I don't see it. So I'll, I'll ask Josh, when you go back to the Mar-a-Lago raid with, with Trump, like, what does the Department of Justice and what does the FBI owe us? And what could possibly be that big that they waited 18 months to raid his house and then not release anything? Uh, I don't know. It, you know, it's like you said, there, there's so, one, there's so much information out there right now. You know, it's all, it's contradictory. It's conflicting. You know, n- nobody's knows kind of, you know, everybody's trying to suss out the truth. Um, and you know, it, there's no transparency. There's the narrative keeps changing because, you know, like you said, at first it was like, Oh my God, he's got the nuclear codes. And it's like, really? So we waited 18 months and we use the national archives as the uh, you know to to predicate going and getting you know retrieving the the nuclear launch codes that doesn't ah oh man that that doesn't sound right and then it came down and it was like well they weren't stored properly oh they weren't stored properly okay so if they weren't stored properly then that means that he was authorized to have them but he just wasn't storing them properly but you said he wasn't authorized that they were, they were stolen. So which one is it? Right. It just, so who, who knows what the truth is? And then, you know, the passports, you know, Trump's like, Hey, they took my passports and the FBI came back and said, what? No, or no, I'm sorry. The FBI didn't say that. Somebody in the white house said, it was like, well, no, it was on Twitter. I don't know if it was KJP or what they were like, no, no passports were taken. And then what was it? Two, three days later, two days later, Hey, we gave him his passports back. And you're like, well, you just said 48 hours ago, you didn't take them. So which is it? And it, it just, it goes back to what we were talking about a little while ago. You have a problem with trust. The American people do not trust you. Based on, you know, based on the 2016, you know, Russia, Russia, Russia. With, you know, with you guys targeting Trump, you lied on, you lied about the FISA warrant to justify the surveillance of Carter Page. And oh, by the way, Kleinsmith, the, the FBI guy who did that, who intentionally lied, was convicted. Guess what? DC has restored him to good standing and he is now allowed to go back and, you know, do his, do his duties. He didn't even finish out his parole time that they handed down as his punishment. Didn't even have to finish that to full term. And you wonder why people have a trust issue with your agency. If the FBI had Trump dead to rights, 
release the affidavit. At this point, I want to see the affidavit. The warrant, I don't care about the warrant, right? You know, everybody was like, oh, I want to see the warrant. The warrant got, the warrant, the warrant's not going to tell you anything. The warrant's a bunch of legalese speak that, you know, it's like, you're going to search, you know, this room and the contents therein, blah, 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 blah. That's not going to tell you anything. The affidavit is going to tell you what that warrant was predicated on. That's what you want to see. And if they had Trump dead to rights, you could redact the affidavit to protect your sources and methods and let everybody see that damn thing and what you use to once again, once again, target him because it we're at the point now that we're going after former, you know, we're going after former presidents with an organization that has very little trust with the American people. And if you really, if, if Merrick Garland was concerned about transparency, if Joe Biden was concerned about transparency, they would release that affidavit yesterday. It's just, but they don't because you know why they don't want that affidavit released because they know it's bullshit. They know it was predicated upon something so thin that no, no federal judge would have been like, yeah, man, you guys are good. Go, go do it. What did they do? They went to Florida and they got a magistrate judge to sign off on that warrant. And guess who that magistrate judge used to be a personal attorney for? Jeffrey Epstein. You can't make this shit up. When people, I'm telling you guys, the, the, the difference between the conspiracy theory and the truth is about 90 days now. You can't, I mean, just everybody's like, oh, you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. It's the 2020, like, oh, these crazy people, these conspiracy theorists are talking about natural immunity. What is that? It's dangerous. It's going to get people hurt. It's like, oh, wow, look at that. Natural immunity. It's actually a thing, you know, two years, you know, two years later. Wow, no they shit. They actually have a picture of him with Ghislaine Maxwell on an airplane. No. With a plastic bottle of early times, right? No, 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 no. That that was a that was a Photoshop thing. I know I know the one you're talking about. That 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 was actually Epstein or Epstein and somebody photoshopped that that in there. Was yeah, that fake I, news? I, Did I just put out fake news? No, well, no, no you no, didn't put it out. You. You, no, you 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 put out something you saw and we got three fact checkers here and I I had actually looked at that photo because she's got her boob all over his uh, foot. And I was like, I swear I've seen this picture before. Because I remember boobs on feet. There's one thing I remember: it's boobs on feet. People, <laughs> sorry, mom. So we just uh, found Luke's kink. So, <laughs> ugh, gross. Uh, so I looked that up, Roger. I actually looked that up, and uh, yeah, that was photoshopped. And and they actually called out, uh, oof, one of the one of Tucker Carlson's uh, subs. Uh, Tucker Carlson was out last week on vacation, and one of his sub subs uh, put that up there and was saying, "This is him." And he got he got dragged over that because it was Photoshop. So you can look that up, Josh. One of the thing, one of the things you were saying, the, the, the passports. You know, we didn't take the passports. Well, we did take the passports and returned them. I was reminded of a, a Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Jeff Spicoli, make up your mind, dude. Is he going to shit or is he going to kill us? Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like what the hell. So one of the things that I find. Uh, one of the things, one of the many things I find disturbing about this whole thing is the Biden administration saying, oh, 
we didn't know anything about this. We, we, we knew nothing about this. And like, how is that a good answer? Either you did or you didn't. And if you didn't know anything about it, that means the DOJ is raiding the residence of a former president of the United States. If you did know about it, you're lying in saying that you didn't. Now, I'll give, you know, Obama some credit here, you know, with the whole Comey thing and, you know, with with Hillary Clinton and, you know, the whole meeting uh, on the tarmac with Bill Clinton. Obama was doing some tap dancing back then. And did he make the right call? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But he was trying to show some semblance of impartiality. Not doing a good job of it, but this is on another level. And it 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 really makes me think, and I've done some soul searching on this. It's like, God, I could go down so many roads on this. Like Josh is saying, the FBI is displaying a certain level of ineptness that is disconcerting at a very deep level. Because if they do have the goods on Donald Trump, if they really do, they're handling it all wrong. Because like Rachel Maddow said, the night or the morning after that, that Mar-a-Lago was raided, she's like, this is the morning you're going to want to pick up the newspaper because this is historical. Well, that would be the natural reaction. It's like, this is going to turn into something and we're going to have a former president go to jail. I need to pick up this newspaper because this is going to be framed someday. You know, like Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> Who knew? A man on the moon. You know, I... Uh, it, but this is going to turn into a big nothing burger because no one's even thinking about it anymore. Look at the headlines. Look at the headlines all over the place. No one's talking about this. It's Russia, Russia, Russia again, like both of you guys have said earlier. Uh, it's disconcerting. It's disconcerting. I think I think Roger has more to say on it. Um, I'm just amazed at the absolute horrible, state of things right now between the DOJ, the president, uh, the office, all this stuff. I just don't, I don't know what to think about it. Now I'm kind of all over the place, but I I said, I, I, I've been thinking about this a lot. It's like, at what point do you handle things with a former president? Because we, we we're supposed to revere the office, right? I think everybody's kind of leaving that in in the pat, you know, in, in, in the rear view mirror. We're supposed to re- revere the office. Uh, re- you know, old Dick Nixon, old Tricky Dick, you know, he was chased out of office. Uh, and, and, and for good reason. He was doing stuff that he shouldn't have been doing. But at what point does a president, you know, a former president, do something he probably shouldn't have done? And you just kind of handle that, you know, not you don't you don't sweep it under the rug. But it's like, let, we need to handle this with, with a little bit of grace so that the office of the president isn't besmirched. And this is, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, er- everyone is equal under the law, or at least they should be. Um, but this is one of the reasons I, I disagree sometimes we get in the arguments about, well, we need to use their tactics. We just use th- those same tactics because they're playing dirty. We need to play dirty. This is where I draw the line, man. I, I don't think we need to be playing dirty like this on our side. It's just this is wrong. Uh, we don't need to be going after our political enemies and weaponizing the Department of Justice and the FBI. 
So, Roger, I know you have more to say on it, but would you say, knowing what you know about getting a getting a four year degree and getting a teaching certificate, would you say that an E five honorably discharged with seven years of service has more teaching experience than a first year school teacher? See, now you're just trying to piss me off. You know, this is one of the things that gets under it gets under my skin. Because now you've got people in Florida. So long story short, there's a, a lot of states out there, there, there's a teacher shortage, right? Just like everything else. There's a baby formula shortage. There's a tampon shortage. There's, you know, show note shortage. There's, there's everything. So teachers, there, there, there's a teacher shortage. So a lot of states are having to get creative. I think some states are going to Ford. I think it's Texas, right, that's doing a, uh, a four-day school week. I think Florida is allowing vets that have a degree to, to go into teaching without necessarily having a teacher certification. Arizona is, uh, they basically said that, hey, if you've got a four-year degree, you're good to go, that type of stuff, right? And now you've got all the teachers that are pissed off and teacher supporters. Here's, here's the thing. So one, do you think that teachers unions had anything to do with the teacher shortage going on right now? A hundred percent. Just a little bit, right? And I, and I can't wait for him to be sued. Uh, totally off topic, sort of, kind of. What was the one lawsuit with the vaccine mandates? I think it's up in Minnesota, Michigan. Uh, healthcare workers sued because of the yeah. vaccine mandate. Yeah, and, and they, they won. won. And they won. More of that's going to come out. That's Hey, airlines, teachers unions, heads up, man. It's coming. It's coming. But when you look at the shortage of teachers and when you look at what states are doing to try to fill that, one of the things are veterans. And it reminds me of, uh, and I've got my own beef with veterans. Obviously, we're all veterans. Sometimes I think I like to hold us to a higher standard. And I think a lot of times with veterans, I understand the benefits that we all received while we were in. I understand the benefits that we have now that we're out. And I think that there's a lot of people that do not take advantage of those benefits while they're in serving their country. Uh, and then they complain about their situation when they get out. And I, and I have a problem with that. Maybe it's just so close to me. And I think that you should be proactive in your own own life and career or what have you. But besides that, I actually side with the vets on this because now you got all these teachers coming out and pooping on the vets. They're not qualified to teach. They're not certified to teach. Josh said it best the other day. He's been teaching his damn kids for the last two years. God, you know, God help him. Yeah, I think, you know, whether he was a vet or not a vet or whatever, I mean, he was a warrant officer, so there was probably a little bit of a gap there. But outside of that, he's had to teach his kids for the last two years because teachers wouldn't teach them. Oh, you were good to teach for two years. And again, that's this has got nothing to do with ve- being a veteran. It does. But in his case, you shut down the schools for a lot of these places. Who else was supposed to teach him? Hey, guess what? Yeah, they're you're in your they're in your school for a few hours a day. Who do you think teaches them about the the rest of life? It's the parent. And then when you look at a vet, what they go through. Now, I'm not saying you just take any old vet. Oh, you were discharged for bad conduct. Let's throw you in the schools, which they would probably do just as good as 95% of them, just saying, because it pisses me off. But it's you take a veteran who has a degree. We graduated or we went through intelligence school. You've got paralegals. You've got medics. So what? What? Uh, you mean a, a, an RN for the for the army that came out that has four years of college plus uh, can't teach like health to you know middle schoolers? Really? Hey, go through a background check. Guess what? 
The government's already got their DNA. Like, I don't even understand why, you know, it kind of, it's so funny because, so I'm applying for my, my teacher's certification out here, substitute teaching. And it's, uh, you know, I, I have to go back through and get my fingerprints done. I'm just like, you've got my fingerprints for my clearance. You've got my fingerprints for my CCW. The federal government literally has my DNA. Why am I going back to do fingerprints again? Anyway, it just pisses me off because I can't think of anybody who is more qualified but not even the qualification, somebody who gives a shit, because that's my problem with the teachers. And I know we have some good teachers out there. All right. So I know we've got some relatives that are teachers and some, and you know who they are. These are people that actually care. My, my son, I've told the story when he broke like half the bones in his body years ago, he had a teacher that came to the house three days a week and she was here four, five, six hours teaching him all the subjects. She was a former principal and she was complaining. Now, one, she was doing this on her own. And at first, you know, I was like, eh, you're being paid overtime, yada, yada. She's like, not as much as you think. You know, my son, generally speaking, is, is a good kid. Sometimes he's a turd, but, you know, majority of the time he's a good kid. Teacher's like, hey, he's got a good heart. I want to help him graduate. You know, it's his, his junior year, senior, whatever the heck it was, junior year. Uh, so she came over and did this stuff. And, and she gave him better instruction than I, I've probably witnessed throughout 10 years of his schooling. Because all the teachers I've interacted with, with him through parent-teacher conferences, going there, taking them to places, this and that, they all suck. They didn't care. And I've had three kids go through the public schooling system, public education system. Uh, to, so to say, hey, veteran, that you've got a desired skill set, that maybe you have a degree, maybe you don't, that you have a clean background, that you actually have the motivation to come in. We did the episode. I can't remember the, the, the number off the top of my head, but it was like 60% of teachers don't even want to be in the school. Maybe it's 50, 50, 60% of teachers don't even want to be there. So you take a vet who's willing to go through all that stuff to say, okay, I'm qualified to be a teacher that wants to go there. That person is motivated to be there. What do you think about the level of instruction they're going to get and that they're going to receive? I guarantee it's better than anything they've gotten the last two years for the most part. And again, I get it. 5% of the teachers out there really, really do give a crap. I know teachers out there that uh, they're using their own paychecks to, to supplement classroom supplies and this and that. But it's almost like from the teacher's point of view, because I haven't heard any veterans groups actually come forward and, and say one thing or another, but for the teachers, it's almost like there's a battle of the underappreciated, right? Because vets were underappreciated for years. And then teachers were underappreciated. The problem with the teachers is that, hey, man, you need to wake up. You need to wake up and realize that the teachers unions are not helping you. It's not so much that people hate teachers or dislike teachers, or again, there are some bums out there. It's the teachers unions. And when you look at the impact they had on the COVID policy of the United States, which by the way, I, I accept the apology from Walensky and the CDC when they came out and basically said, hey, yeah, the last two years, we were kind of wrong. We're going to reorganize, but it pisses me off. It's like, teachers, wake up. Hey, the unions are screwing you. Josh can tee off on the unions. He, he, he does it every couple of weeks. And I agree with 100% on that stuff. But why not have a veteran who's like, hey, I've got a skill set. I'm educated. I have a clean background. I have some vested interest in my community. Maybe I want to go substitute. Maybe I just want to go teach. I can teach math. I can teach English. Why not? I don't know, Josh, what do you think? Vets, uh, vets as teachers, good idea, bad idea? 
I think it's a fantastic idea with, you know, with the stipulations, like you said, yeah, you're dishonorably discharged or, you know, you're, you know, you're a dirt bag. Yeah. You don't get to be, you don't get to be a teacher. We already have enough teachers who are dirt bags. Um, you know, I've got family members, uh, you know, who are, who are teachers. Uh, my wife used to be a teacher and, you know, they're, Again, much like the, you know, like we said about the FBI, there are good teachers out there. Um, but again, the senior levels and the unions are completely screwing them. Uh, you know, you take a look, the National Teachers Union, look how hard they fought to keep schools closed in 2020 and 2021. They fought it. They fought it hard. And so what did that do? Kids were at home. Well, who taught the kids for two years? Parents did. I'm not qualified. I, I don't have I don't have the teaching certificate that you know says okay you can go teach, you know you can go teach school. I can't even go teach kindergarten or first grade without you know that certificate. So I can't I can't teach kids shapes and colors and what one plus one equals two. Like I, I'm not, I'm not qualified to do that. Are you serious? Well. Teachers fought to keep schools closed. Teachers unions fought to keep schools closed. They went and laid on the beach for two years. Who taught the kids? The parents did. Luckily, I have a wife who's like a hundred times smarter than I am and is college educated, you know, formally college educated and has, you know, a teaching certificate and all that stuff, you know? So, I mean, she, you know, she obviously did the lion's share of it, especially since, you know, all our, all our kids are, you know, high schoolers and, you know, my math capability stop at about third grade. Um, so, you know, as a vet, like I wouldn't be the one that, you know, you would probably want teaching anywhere past third grade. Uh, but I think it's a great idea. You know, it, it just, you can't sit there and say, we want schools closed because it's unsafe for me to go to work because I might get COVID. Those kids need to stay home. You know, the, the frustrations that my kids went through when, you know, we were all, you know, stuck at home for, for COVID was they would have a question on a subject. They would email their teacher. It would be three or four days before they would get a response from their teacher. But in the meantime, that assignment is due. It's due, you know, it's due today. Well, that really doesn't help when your teacher is non-responsive, probably because they're laid on a beat somewhere. Um, you know, and now you're going to turn around and you're upset because somebody's coming in to take your job. This is like, dude, this is like when, it's like when Reagan fired all the air traffic controllers, you know, you want to protest, you don't, you don't want to work. You want to go on strike for some bullshit. Not a problem. You got a job. I got a, I got a dozen other people ready to take your job. And teachers are now realizing, Hey, the economy's slowing down. The music's about to stop and there's not going to be any chairs left. And, you know, they're all upset. Oh, well, you know, now we're supposed to revere teachers after they spent the last two years shitting on kids, not doing their job. And all of a sudden now we're supposed to hope, you know, put them on a pedestal. Get out of here. And you talk about, you know, the veterans, right? Think about how much training we went through. Think about all the people that we trained on how to do some very complex jobs in some very difficult situations in some very bad places. You think about that. Yeah. Can I teach a kid? You know? about U.S. history, you're damn skippy. We're talking about the three branches of government, baby. Like, this is what we're, like, this is, I, I think it's a great idea. Um, you know, when you think about what some veterans have done, think about 
Think about those company-grade officers, those company-grade NCOs who are out there in Paktika province in Afghanistan, you know, basically conducting U.S. policy with, you know, Afghanis, establishing U.S. policy with Afghanis. And they're out there coordinating the building of basically villages, right? They're, you know, they're coordinating hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars of work. They're coordinating all these things. And then you're going to turn around and be like, no, you're not qualified to teach second grade. Get out of here, dude. Get out of here. That is, uh, that's a whole bunch of nonsense. Oh, you're absolutely, you, dude, you are a hundred percent right. You're a hundred percent right. One of the first things that we're doing in U.S. history, when I'm teaching it, taxation is theft. I'm bringing in a whole bunch of boxes of Lipton tea bags, and we're going to the nearest lake, and we're throwing that shit in there. Done. <laughs> school swimming pool. School swimming pool. It's a cool. What school do you go to? That yeah, exactly. That's what I asked. You rich. You you rich well, mf'er. What school you is, what you grew up in a school with a swimming pool? So it is Apache Junction. I didn't even school up in Ohio by the nuke plant, and those that are familiar with that area will, will know where I'm talking about. But the nuke plant like paid for everything, like paid all your utilities because you live by a nuke plant or whatever, dude. There were like 64 people in this school, and they had an Olympic sized swimming pool. All right, wow. and turf like heated drain football field. I didn't even know they had a football team. I don't even know if they had enough kids to field a football team. But the nuke plant's like, eh, you know, it's the least that we can do. So, Roger, I got a question for you. What is the failure rate uh, for basic training? Can't be that great. I mean, you probably have what five, ten percent. Five, ten percent. I, I would say five, uh, just based on my experience. From reception all the way on, right? Because you're going to, and, and not just, I, I should lift that in. It's not just failure. I mean, you get people de- get DQ'd because of background check, yada, yada, yada. But yeah, I'd say five, five, 10% max. So, 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 so like once they make it to Try basic 15. training, what's, what's that, Josh? I just looked it up. It's 15%. So, uh, what, is that 15%? <laughs> that seems high. Okay. So, for the record, those fifteen percent, I did not put any of those kids in the army. <laughs> Every one of my kids, I, I'm graduated. just, I, I would believe from MEPS uh, to graduating basic training, I would buy that. That's fifteen percent, but like just, just based on the class I went through uh, back in the late nineties, I, I think it was more like five percent. So that's completely anecdotal. I get it. Now, when you when you factor AIT into that, which is your advanced uh, training where you're learning how to do the job you signed up for, I'd say the recidivism or recidivism, I'd say, the, I'd say the failure rate's probably a little bit higher. I would take that up to 15%, but those people get reclassified into other jobs that might be a little bit more menial, a little bit more um, easy, like a uh, truck driver, <laughs> 88 Mike, for instance. So uh, all I'm saying is this, folks. It's like, look at the failure rate for university to get a four-year degree uh to get a teaching certificate uh to be a school teacher look i'm not pooping on anybody here all i'm saying is veterans aren't necessarily all heroes okay uh you know 85 to 90 percent of the population can be can get in to be a soldier sailor airman whatever they call coast guards and 
uh, Space Force people. Anybody can do that. It doesn't make you a hero getting that you know qualification. It also doesn't make you a hero getting a teaching certificate. All I'm saying is I equate the two. It's like anybody can be a teacher. Anybody with a brain can be a teacher. Anybody with a brain can be a veteran. It's like, or a soldier, whatever, and get honorably discharged and then be a veteran. It's just like, stop <laughs> thinking that you are the, the bomb because you're a teacher, or you're a veteran. All I'm saying, you know, I, I agree with both y'all on what you were saying as far as, you know, uh, your experiences, you know, teaching soldiers complex tasks and things like that. But go back to, uh, they don't even call it B-knock and A-knock anymore. What was the one before B-knock back when we were in the day? Uh, the one you have to do to be an E5? Oh, that was um, PLDC. PLDC, yeah. So so PLDC, right? I mean, PLDC, I mean, come on. You are teaching. You that It's four weeks or six weeks or whatever it was of straight up teaching. It, that's what it was. It's six weeks of teaching morons to do tasks. And not that I'm saying kids are morons, but let's be honest, man. Third graders are kind of morons. They, they really are. And it, I, I, I do think that, you know, maybe a two or three week uh, certification, something free of charge for veterans who want to go teach. Uh, yeah. You know, get them that certification in Florida, Texas. It's state dependent. Totally. But man, have the, you know, we, we have a teaching shortage, like both of you guys said. It's like. What better population to pull from than vets? Uh, I agree with both y'all. I, I really do. I, I'll say this from from you know my personal experience. Um, my personal experience says this: any teacher that I listen to complain because teachers and soldiers both complain. That's another thing they both have in common. <laughs> they complain. Any teacher who is complaining about students or parents is a bad teacher. Period. Every single good teacher, Wendy, Kurt, Elizabeth, Emily, Russell, they complain a lot too. They don't complain about the students. They don't complain about the families. They complain about the administration. They complain about the school administration. That's a good teacher. The school administration gets in the way of them teaching the kids the way the kids need to be taught. But when, when, when teachers start complaining about the kids or the parents, dude, bad teacher, period. Maybe somebody will surprise me someday, but whatever, man. That's the way I feel about it. Roger, you feel differently? You, you, like, you like Peter Strzok? When I said Peter Strzok earlier, I saw you kind of got excited. <laughs> no, because, dude, all these, all these guys and gals are coming out. And, and, of course, they're all on, like, CNN, MSNBC. It's right up there with Dan Rather. Like, why is he – I mean, well, one, I can't believe he's actually tweeting because he's got to be, like, old as frick right now, right? Dan Rather, how old is he? Like, 85? <laughs> Look that he's up. He's going to be old, right? Or, like, Joe Biden age or whatever. Like, come on, dude. Are you really tweeting? But I'm like, you know, he gets there and talks about honesty. And I'm like, Dan Rather, really? Like, maybe – I mean, dude, use, like, a pseudonym or something, right? I mean, come out with a different name or, or whatever. And that dude, is he 90? Is he really 90? Holy shit. So yeah. when, when, let's be clear. Dan Rather is not tweeting anything. So that is clearly, you know, a surrogate or something like dude, that. Dan Rather so old, he's not even buying green bananas anymore. <laughs> that was actually pretty funny. But for him to come out, it's all these hypocrites, man. 
It's all these hypocrites. And, and it's, it's actually, it's perfect because it's going to lead me to, I think you tweeted this earlier, Josh, where, you know, 87,000 IRS agents issued uh, the same weapons of war that American citizens can't have, right? Because that's that's what the left likes to call the AR-15 or or any other you know armor light rifle. It's a weapon of war. It's a weapon of war. Oh, so why does an IRS agent need a weapon of war? Brings me to my final thing. Uh, this here, th- this is the the well. It's not the topping because whatever you think you found the top, there's just something else that they just continue to add on to it. So everybody knows Brittany Grimer. You know she's going to do nine and a half years in a Russian prison where. You know, fortunately for her, she would not have to hear the U.S. national anthem. She won't have to stand for it. She wouldn't have to take a knee for it because she she just won't hear it. If you are on the left and you talk about gun control and this and that and weapons of war, you no longer have a leg to stand on. You didn't have one to stand on before because the Second Amendment says you don't. So I don't really care what you say or, or think about that. But the administration, and I haven't heard what what the, I I don't know if there's just so much fallout from it or what the deal is. They were willing to trade, among others, Victor Bout for Brittany Grimes, or Grimer. He is a convicted and known weapons trafficker. They made movies about this guy, okay? So, like, his nickname was the Merchant of War. Guess what? You should go check out the Lord of War. Yeah, it was about that guy, okay? He supplied weapons to uh, Sierra Leone, Sudan, Afghanistan, Angola, Congo, Liberia, Rwanda, okay? This dude is responsible for the death of millions. And I think I can say that. I I don't know that but for a fact, but I, I, I think I can safely say millions, you think this dude can get me a uh, select fire uh, weapon? So Which we cares? can talk about that once we stop recording. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you you are willing to sit there and trade this guy for this lady who illegally took drugs through another country so he can go back out and supply the rest of the world to go kill a couple more, you know, a million more people with, with weapons. And we're not even just talking about like handguns and pistols. I mean, we're talking about the weapons that, that Luke doesn't believe we should be able to have that, that, you know, Josh says, why not? I want a howitzer, baby. That's what I'm talking about. So I'll tell you, from the to. left, yeah, from the left, like, I don't even want to hear it anymore. You know, I don't even want to hear it anymore. The hypocrisy, and we talked about this today. We were tweeting about it with the economy because you had Joe Biden lie and, and KJP that we had 0% inflation. Okay, that is a flat-out lie. I don't even know how you can come out on TV and say that. Anybody, everybody's like, well, we don't really have uh, zero. But the hypocrisy, it, it kills me. And that's all I ask for is a level playing field. Because I would tell you this. I don't care if Donald Trump was in office right now. If Donald Trump was in office right now, and we had 8.5% inflation, uh, the, the, the one-year anniversary of the Afghan withdrawal, right? Afghanistan withdrawal. If that happened with them, with the eighty-seven thousand IRS agents, with the seven hundred billion dollar you know spending bill, with gas prices the way they are, the way uh, food prices the way they are, with the shortages of it, because I tell you, uh, by the way, inflation and see they lump everything in together. Inflation does not count food or fuel. So when they talk about inflation, they're talking about the price of everything else. This administration and previous administrations, they like to loop lump in food and fuel with inflation. That's not part of the inflation rate. That's separate because they're so volatile and they can vary from day to day, you know, uh, week to week. But if things were in the same position now, 
and Trump was president, I'd be MFing him too. Boom. You know, at that point, there is my ideas fall along the line of conservatives. But at that point, I don't care who the president is. Hey, man, we got to try something different. We got to try something else. And those people that sit there on Twitter, they sit there in the social media and they defend President Biden. What they are telling you, what they are doing is saying, we're happy with the way everything is right now. We're happy the way Afghanistan turned out. We're happy with the inflation rate. We are happy with fuel prices. We're happy with, with food shortages. We're happy with labor shortages. We're happy with the crisis at the southern border. That's exactly what they're telling. They're telling you that they are completely fine with the way things are. Because right now, only one party is in charge, and you see what's happening. And I would say the exact same thing if we had a Republican president and a Republican-controlled Congress. There would be no different. My last thing, I'll kick it over to Josh for, my, uh, for his closeout. I only have one other thing. Uh, Luke actually said it last week. He was talking about quotes, and I actually wrote this down because I'm becoming a big Tim Scott fan, but I was going to do quotes. But he did his quote first, and then I couldn't do my quote after he did his quote because then it looked like I'm following him. So, Tim Scott, hey, failure isn't fatal if you don't quit. Whatever. F Tim Scott. Done with Tim Scott. <laughs> He came out. He supported. He supported the. Uh, he supported the raid on uh, on Mar a Lago. He didn't support it. Come yeah, on. he did. He came out. He was like, "Well, you know, I mean, you know, we, you know, it's just." He said, "Let's what it is." He said, he said let's, "Let's find let out what's out. going on." Because I think, like the rest of us, we're like, "Okay, they actually went into like that's that's an egregious act, man." Like, hey, Whatever. you want to do this? There's got to be something coming, and and nothing. Whatever. Came. Tim Tim Scott's acting like this is the first time he's seen this movie. You ain't new. You ain't new, Tim. Well, you know, Don't act like I, you're brand new. Whatever. I am becoming more of a Dan Bongino fan because I because he's hyped up, right? It's a lot of it's a lot of rhetoric and a lot of hyperbole, or whatever. But he said the other day, he goes and, and he was I think he was saying uh, it was quoted from somebody else, but he's like, "You'll be fine with American politics and understand American politics once you understand that half the Republicans will vote Democrats, but none of the Democrats will vote Republican." He goes, "Once you understand that, you got it." No, no, no that's a good point. So anyway, F Tim Scott. All right, real quick, uh, just a uh, a couple shout outs is uh, is all I got left. Um, hey John C up in uh, up in DC, thanks for listening. Uh, we appreciate it. Can't wait until you uh, until you retire, and uh, and we can get you on because um, uh, man, I know you got some some stuff to tell about what's been going on up there the last couple of years. Tyler and Mimi up in Virginia, really appreciate you guys listening. Tyler and I promise next time I'm up in. Uh, Northern Virginia, I'll uh, I'll link up with you and uh, and we'll have beer. Same thing for uh, for the Ryan's. Um, real quick, uh, Isaac, you guys remember the Cajun conservative? Shout out to you, uh, Isaac. Thanks for thanks for listening. And uh, and real quick, I, I, I know Luke was going to mention him, but I'm I'm going to go ahead and mention him too. Uh, Johnny Juanito, uh, man, safe travels, brother. Uh, you know. Enjoyed messaging with you uh, earlier today. Uh, praying for you. Hope you get back safe and uh, and hope you get back soon. And uh, man, what just what a what a what a cool dude. So that's uh, that's all I got uh, until uh, until next time. I'll throw it over to uh, Luke and give his closing comments. Yeah, old Johnny. Uh, I'll go ahead and say his last name, Johnny Buford. That guy is one of the most interesting dudes I've ever known in my life, and. Uh, we have some plans to try to get him on the show uh, 
episodic nature because his story, uh, he went over to South America before COVID broke out and he was there while COVID broke out and it is an adventure. And John is a very unique character. He is his own man. So we're hoping to get him on and yeah, hope, hope, hope John's John listens. Uh, so Tim Scott is, uh, is not a unique person because if everyone who is dead to Josh is just dead, there's only like seven of us left on this planet. So Tim Scott, you are not unique. A couple of shout outs before I close it out. Hey, Eric, Eric Schaefer, uh, there in Amarillo. I appreciate you listening. Uh, he's, he's got a business that we covered back when Herschel Jericho was on the show. And, uh, Eric, thanks for listening, man. Really appreciate it. And, uh, we'll plug your business, uh, going forward. And, uh, Russell Camp, uh, Russell Camp's got a new book coming out or it's not coming out. It is out. It's called across the fence from Roy. Uh, check it out on amazon.com across the fence from Roy. I'm telling you, especially if you're from Texas, especially you will appreciate this book. But even if you're not from Texas, this book's got a lot of truth in it. Go and check it out. Uh, it's I, I, I loved it. I loved it from cover to cover. It's just a, a folksy, good book. There need to be more books like this out there. Uh, for With Roger's Spyglass Hill hat on, his CI hat, uh, Josh's uh, hipster hat, whatever he's got on with his city sports. We really appreciate y'all listening. Until next time, keep your canteen cups full and tightly secured.